Alright. Alright, we want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to the Lord for everyone that's here. Uh, we're going to get right into the words. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel. Fifteenth chapter, First Samuel, and we're going to start reading We're going to start reading at verse twenty four. It says, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. Now, you know, if you read this whole chapter, of course, you know, this chapter has to do with Saul disobeying God and uh, not destroying all of the Amalekites. And if you continue to read in the Old Testament, you'll see that the Amalekites was continually a thorn in their flesh. They were always a problem to the children of Israel. And so, because he doesn't do that, God sends Samuel to correct him and to rebuke him for not destroying the Amalekites. And so, but most of the dialogue in this chapter is... Saul disputing the fact that he disobeyed God. And Saul kept saying, well, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. The people, because I listened to the people. They, you know, they're the people. The people, it's their fault. It was everybody else's fault but Saul's. And so uh, when, what we read here uh, in verse 26, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He was not talking about the original command of Saul disobeying as far as um, uh, not destroying the Amalekites. He rejected correction. That was the word of the Lord. If, does everybody understand that? So look at what he says there. For thou hast rejected of the, the word of the Lord, and the, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king of Israel. In other words, because you rejected correction, that's the reason why you're no longer king. That's the reason why God had rejected you from being king. When Saul, when Samuel came to Saul, if Saul had received it, then Saul would have remained king. Does everybody understand that? So uh, the, the original, uh, when Samuel originally came to Saul, it was not to tell him God has rejected you from being king. It was originally to correct him and for him to receive it. Does everybody understand that? So God don't, you know, <laughs> your sin become a transgression and an iniquity, I should say, 
when you reject the correction for the sin. That's when it becomes iniquity. And so God, so uh, Samuel understood that. And so Samuel had to tell him what, what, what came after him rejecting the word of the Lord was God rejecting him. Does everybody understand that? Now, isn't that something? So it wasn't just a matter of him being disobedient. It was a matter of him rejecting the correction after his disobedience. That's what had him removed as king. So let's go and keep reading. Verse 27, and as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid, out, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. Does everybody see that? So you, do you see Saul still rejecting the word of the Lord here? Samuel had already told him, I'm not going back with you. I'm not returning with you to act like you're okay. I'm not going to comfort you in your disobedience. He still rejected it. He grabs a hold of the skirt of his mantle. Does everybody see that? He grabs a hold. In other words, I don't care what you say. You're you going to do what I'm telling you, you see. Just go ahead and keep reading. Verse uh, 28, and Samuel said unto him, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee. What day? This day. Does everybody see that? Now that is, that is the deception. That is the deception of uh, disobedience to the Lord. You know, that's, that's the deception. <laughs> God told, go, told uh, Adam, and, Adam in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Adam might have lived another 800 years. Does everybody understand that? Not knowing that he was dead while he was alive. God told Sam, God told Saul through Samuel, this day the kingdom has been rent from you. Saul was king for another 15 to 16 years before David ever took over. He still had the crown on his head for another 15 or 16 years. And so that's the deception is people can be out of the will of God. And it's really up to them to pay attention, pay attention to your your spiritual walk. Pay attention to what's going on in your life and how hard it is now versus the way it was when you decided to line up with the word of the Lord. Pay attention to how, how if you pay attention, you'll see that that hedge of protection has been removed from you. One way to know that you're in trouble with God is the same way Saul knew it. An evil spirit was sent to trouble him. He became a tormented soul. Something He knew something was off. That's the way. You, everybody understand that? See, when we're in God's will, God puts that hedge of protection around us where we're not tormented and we're not bothered by things. But when God removes that hedge of protection, oftentimes a spirit, an evil spirit, comes along with that because God in his grace and mercy have to let us know something is off and something is wrong. Does everybody understand that? It, a lot of times, if I get a headache, that's usually my clue. I'm not drinking enough water. I'm getting a, a dehydration because that, you know, of course, that's one of the uh, signs of dehydration. Uh, you get a, you get a headache, and I drink. I continue to drink water during that day, and eventually, eventually, that headache leave. You see, so in, even in our bodies, God give us a warning of, of things that maybe not being taken care of properly. And when your relationship with the Lord is not being taken care of properly, oftentimes 
it's another spirit that'll come and, and remind you. Does everybody understand that? And the Bible says that God sent an evil spirit. That evil spirit was from the Lord to trouble Saul. Does everybody understand that? All right, look at verse 28. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine. That is what? Better than thou. So, let's go and, let's go and read, see what's... So, who was this neighbor? Who was it? David. And I believe if God said that in his word, that David was better than Saul, then we ought to go look and see... What made David better than Saul? So let's turn now to the 17th chapter of the book of uh, 1 Samuel. The 17th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. And we're going to start reading at verse 1. says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekiah and Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Everybody see that? So who set the battle in array against the Philistines? Saul and the men of Israel. Now, y'all pay attention to that. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. Does everybody see? And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That means he stood about 13 feet tall. He was not a giant like what you read in your fairy tale books where he's up in the cloud somewhere. He was just absolutely, he was just very, very, a very, very tall man. Does everybody understand that? He was, he was tall. You know, you know it was something wrong with him. He was freakishly tall. He was not, you know, he was not a giant where, you know, his, his waist was up to the ceiling or something like that. He was about 13 feet tall. All right, let's go and keep reading. Verse 5, and he had an helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Everybody see that? They were dismayed and what? Let's go and keep reading. Now David was the son 
of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. In other words, he was like an elder. He was, people recognized him. He was counted as one that had wisdom. So he had a reputation. He went among the people as an old man. In other words, he was respect, respected among the Israelites. Verse 13. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of this three, of his three sons that went to the battle, were Eliab, the firstborn, and next unto him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself, what? Forty days. Did everybody see that? And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself, how many days? Forty days. So... At least twice a day he went out there talking noise. Verse 17, And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel we're in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Everybody see that? What were they doing? What were they doing? They were fighting. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. Everybody see that? And took and went as, as Jesse had commanded him. As, had did what now? He could be commanded. Not as Jesse told him, not as Jesse asked him. Jesse commanded him. Now, y'all pay attention to the character of David and what made him better than Saul. David could be commanded. In the chapter before this, David had been anointed king of the eight brothers. He was the only one that was able to walk under that urn, that, that cup of oil that Samuel held up. Now, if you can imagine, just in case you don't know the story, God sent Samuel to anoint one of Jesse's sons. So Jesse thought, well, surely it's one of my sons that's a follower of Saul, one of those mighty warriors. So, okay, bring him, bring him, let's see. So he holds this cup of oil above their heads, and all of them, all seven of them walked under it, and, and the oil didn't fall. That was God withholding the anointing. For that. And so Samuel didn't know Jesse personally. Samuel asked, is, uh, is this all your sons? This all the sons? Yeah, wait, no, I got one. He's out there in the back, way off somewhere, keeping the sheep. Well, bring him here. So then David comes, and he's just a little child, maybe 13 or 14, a little child. He's cute at best. There's nothing rough and rugged about him. There's nothing that says warrior about him at all. And he holds the urn up and, and David walks under and it falls on his head. So David knows that he's king. David knows I've been anointed king. He does not quit his job 
and go talk to Saul about putting him in his rightful place. He continues to watch his father's sheep. That was, con that was in our day like a garbage man. That's like being a janitor. That wasn't something that was highly sought. That wasn't a job that was highly sought after. And there was the king of Israel going back to watch the sheep. And then his daddy commands him, come here, king, David. You go take your brothers who didn't match up to be king, take them some food. No, it didn't fall on none of their heads. You're better than them, but you go serve them. <laughs> he went right ahead and did it. Didn't say, well, daddy, I'm, I'm the king now. Shouldn't, they, shouldn't that be reversed? David could be commanded. I'm telling you, that's what made him better than Saul. He knew he, he, knew he was king. He wasn't crazy. He, he was old enough to understand, I'm king. But you know what he also understand, stood? If God saw fit to anoint me to be king, then that must mean he saw something in me and I need to keep what he saw going. Does everybody understand that? I don't need to get this job and start relaxing. I don't need to think because God have exalted me that some kind of way my, my program quits. That, that what I've been doing, that, that no longer exists. So you see what he did. So after he was anointed king, he was commanded to go take his brother, his brother some food and to see how they were doing. Now isn't that something? Let's stop there for a minute. His daddy told him, you go see how your brothers fare. In other words, go see how they're doing. His brothers didn't think much of him at all. But yet he's commanded to go see how they're doing. He had to walk there. He didn't have a cell phone to text them. Didn't have a phone to call them. He had to walk to that battle to see how, and then had to put himself in harm's way to get there. And he did it for his daddy's sake. Go see how they're doing. And today we got folks sitting in church that can't check on anybody. Because they don't take me and call me. I ain't going to call them. That's what made King David better. Does everybody understand that? He was willing to check on people that could care less if he lived or died. That didn't think much of him. Not only that. Even in that, see now, what made him better was also his attitude. He wasn't mad about his daddy making him take that position lower than the crown that he would put on his head one day. If he was mad about it, he would not have left someone to watch his daddy's sheep. Well, you know what? You telling me to go over here? You go find somebody to watch the sheep. What do we read here? Verse 20, and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with who? Does everybody see that? If there had been any attitude in what he was commanded to do, he would have done that. You must got to, you know, he would have just been, well, I guess you tell me, so I guess you got it all figured out how these sheep were going to get watched. Does everybody understand that? David was a faithful man. 
He was a faithful man. He was a persistent man. Does everybody understand that? David was still a child of all of the people, all of the millions of men in Israel. God chose a child to be king. Isn't that something? We might not like it, but I'm telling you this. According to what we read in this in the previous chapter. God thinks some people are better than others. Now, you need to ask yourself, where do you fall on that spectrum? (laughs) Does everybody understand that? God thought somebody was better than somebody else. Don't you be fooled at all. When we get to heaven, we're going to all get different rewards according to what God thought about our performance, according to what God thought about who we were in him and how far we went in him. And so that's the question. If God said in his word that the kingdom is rent from you and given to a neighbor that's better than you, we need to be we better start snuggling up to God. We better start asking, so God, who's better than me, Lord? How are they better? Now, I'm going to say this. God is an equal opportunity employer. Does everybody understand that? No, he don't start off with favorites, but your bad attitude. The, the one that you even hid from, from yourself. God sees it. Does everybody understand that? And it is displayed through your actions, no matter how rough and rugged you think you are, your bad attitude is displayed through your actions and the decisions that you make. You see David making choices all throughout this story here. He was commanded to go check on some folks that didn't care about him, and he went and did it. He was giving food to give to them. He wasn't dropping the food along the way. His, his, his father didn't tell him anything about, and get somebody else to watch the sheep. He just understood, I'm the keeper of the sheep. If my daddy is telling me to leave my post, that means I need to put somebody in my place while I'm gone. So he covered everything from A to Z. And listen, his daddy didn't have to tell him to do that because he knew you're responsible. I, I don't have to hold your hand and walk you through every step. You know why? Because you honor me. You respect me. David respected authority. That's what made him better than Saul. David had a daddy. Does everybody understand that? (laughs) It's reverse 20. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench. Everybody see that? Now, you know, David, they must have had some kind of relationship for at this very time for David to be king and his daddy to feel like I can still command you. That tells you about the relationship that they had. Does everybody understand that? And left the sheep with a keeper and, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. Everybody see that? He went where? As Jesse had commanded him. So let's stop there for a minute. He did it as he was told. Now let's think about the details that could go into that. Jesse could have told him, you, you go through Bolivar, you know, go that way to get to your brother's. 
if he wouldn't have went through Bolivar, if he'd have went through, through somewhere else, then he wouldn't have went as he was told. Jesse could have told him, why are you going, you sing, and you skip. If he hadn't sung and skipped, he wouldn't have went as he was commanded. Does everybody understand that? He had to do it exactly the way his daddy told him to do it, for him to do it as he was told. Well, you telling me this, but I, you know, folks, that the folks rebel all kind of ways. Does everybody understand that? If I tell my wife I don't want salt in my food, and she buys something substitute, she ain't doing it as I'm telling her. I told you I don't want salt. But folks, fine, I'm telling you, and you think God don't see these nasty ways? I'm telling you, we need to become better. So that we're not on that on that on the bottom side of that spectrum where somebody is better than us. Does everybody understand that? All right. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. Everybody see that? So do y'all see they still fighting? Y'all see they still fighting now. So we're in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. What, what verse is that now? Verse 21, verse 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the what? Army and came and what did he do? Some folks that could care less about him. Who was the youngest of Jesse's children? David. He didn't care nothing about his older brothers not liking him. They're older than me. I'm going to respect their authority. He wasn't thinking, you know, well, we brothers, so y'all ain't what y'all got to tell me. We're on the same level. I'm going to salute y'all. Y'all are the ones in the military. Everybody understand that? And you take a 20-year-old that know how to change a tire and a 40-year-old that don't. That 20-year-old, you ain't going to be able to tell him nothing. Know how to change a tire and can't be told nothing. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> Because you know something more than somebody else don't make you more than them. Do you know from the beginning the example that we have of why women are not to usurp authority over the man is because the man was made first? And, and so in God's eyes, all somebody have to do is be born before you. <laughs> that ought to be enough. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? <laughs> Don't matter what kind of colleges you done went through, they were born before you. Just go, just go out and apply the job with a PhD with somebody, or get somebody that's been working in the field for 20 years, and you straight out of school. Who's going to get that job? They don't care about what kind of education you got. What kind of experience do you have? Who's older in this field? <laughs> They don't care that you went to school for 20 years. Have you been working in the field for 20? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Well, you know why? Because they understand it. No matter, you might have been in school for 20 years, but you're still eight years behind of what the technology is, of what, what we're doing now. We're going to have to retrain you a whole different way. All right, verse 23. And as he talked with them, behold, 
there came up the champion. Everybody see that? The Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And what happened? David heard them. So you see what's happening here? This man, he ain't out there fighting. Goliath ain't even out there fighting. That's how much he think of himself. He's somewhere sitting down. And every now and then, twice a day, he get up. Hey, yeah, well, so what's up? What y'all want? And then he goes and sit down. That lets you know what, see, he wasn't faithful either. He could have been out there helping his military get beyond the Israel army. But I'm so big and bad, I'm the champion, I'm going to sit down. What does it matter if he's the champion if his soldiers are out there losing? Does everybody understand that? (laughs) And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were what? So you see what's happening. Now, we're going over this for a reason. The children, the army of Israel, they're fine. They're out there fighting, winning the battle. Man against man in combat, they winning. They're not afraid of the army. But then somebody that's 13 feet tall, who five of them could have jumped on and whooped, he comes out there, and they all take off running. So let me stop here. Let's, let's deviate from what we're talking about just for a moment here. That's the way it is in life. Some folks wrestling with the wrong demon. You'll fight all day with the armies of the Philistines. But you got that one big bad one that you don't want to deal with. That's the one that give all the other demons at the advantage. Does everybody understand that? Goliath represent the strong man. It, it, so the devil have you paying attention. It ain't no telling how we, we read about how they did that for 40 days, how he came out for 40 days. So we know that at least been fighting for 40 days. Now, when, if you continue to read this story, you're going to see one thing. David come up against Goliath and defeat him and then the, the Philistine army all flee. You know why? Because David understood if I whoop this one, if I can just get this one, the rest of them are back down. Now you have to ask yourself this question. Who is the Goliath in your life? What is that spirit that you refuse to come against in your life? That's that in your life. It doesn't matter about all these other little battles you winning. As long as Goliath is there, you done lost. As long as you're allowing that one spirit to defy the word of God that's supposed to be taking control in your life, you'll lose. Does everybody understand that? All right, let's go and keep reading. Verse 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So they weren't afraid until they saw him. He coming out there twice a day. That's all it, so does everybody understand the pattern that he's doing, what he's doing here? He come out twice a day. Do you think they heard him the first time he went out and defied the, the armies of God? 
But he was coming out because he understood as long as y'all are fighting in fear, y'all going to lose. I don't even have to fight. So what did he come out there for? Let's think about what he, the challenge was this. Y'all send one man to fight me. Y'all send one man to fight me. If he beat me, we'll be y'all servants. If I kill him, y'all be our servants. Did he really want to fight? See, the devil had him looking over here. One man, not one of us beat him. But that wasn't, that wasn't what was really going on. That wasn't what the devil's plan was. The devil's plan was, just keep showing yourself, Goliath. Just keep showing yourself. Every time they get an inch ahead in this war, in this battle, you show yourself, and they're going to be afraid, and we're going to start winning. He did that twice a day. Does everybody understand now? All right, let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 25, and the men of Israel said, have ye seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against who? What should that, he should have took all that anger and did what? You mad at the wrong one. <laughs> Isn't that something? And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I need to keep you in your place. Use a little shepherd. Now, if we scared, you be scared. Does everybody understand that? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. Why was he saying that? Because just a few days ago, he walked under that urn and nothing happened. His little brother walked under it, and it poured on him. Everybody understand that? For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. Does everybody see that? You know, another thing that made David better than Saul, David knew that he was king of Israel, but he still didn't feel like, I, I need to be in this man's presence. He wasn't, he wasn't around Saul. David was not self-ambitious. Does everybody understand that? If he'd have been self-ambitious, nobody would have had to repeat to Saul what David was saying. David would have been right standing right next to him talking. So David didn't think he was even on Saul's level. He knew he was king. He knew that he was Saul's replacement, but yet and still he was with, without Saul's presence. He didn't think that he, he deserved to be anywhere in Saul's presence. He understood this man is still the king. Does everybody understand that? So, what, so when you wrap it all up, what made David better than Saul was David respected authority. 
even authority that he thought was against him. Does everybody understand that? Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Thy what now? He didn't say thy king. You know, David had a supernatural sign. He understood it wasn't Samuel holding, holding the oil in the cup to keep it from falling. God was defying gravity, so he understood this is supernatural. He knew that this was straight from God. And yet when it come down to it, thy servant will go fight. Does everybody understand that? And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant, say what now? Thy servant kept his what? Kept who sheep? What did he have of his own? Nothing. He kept his father's sheep. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> and there came a lion and a bear and took a took how many lambs? A lamb. No, uh, y'all, you, you got it. You can go on with that. These ain't my sheep anyway. You see what made them better than Saul? He watched his daddy's sheep like they were his own. My daddy, his daddy might have had a thousand sheep, but he ain't going to lose one of them. I ain't got no sheep. I ain't got nothing. Does everybody understand that? But I'm going to watch my daddy's sheep and I'm going to put my own life on the line. You think about it. Think about it. These, these weren't midget lions and midget bears. Why did he come against that lion and that bear? Because how dare you take my daddy's stuff? You know why? Because he honored his daddy. Jesse might have let it go. You, you know what? I just moved y'all to another. That one's gone, but I'll go ahead and move y'all to another pasture somewhere and put a fence around y'all. Not David. David said, I've been put in charge of something, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in charge here. Everybody understand that? I'm, I'm going to watch this man's sheep because he's my daddy and this is my job. And up until a few generations ago, that's the way people's minds were. Does everybody understand that? Everybody now want to start their own business. Quit making somebody else rich. I'm going to start my own business, start my own If we all had that mind, wouldn't none of us get anywhere? It's, it's crazy to me. Everybody wants to start their own business because they don't want, want to work for somebody, and then they mad because they ain't got faithful people working for them. What world are you living in? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Everybody have received the entrepreneurial spirit. 
Nobody received the servant spirit. <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing. There you know that's what all that boiled down to. All these businesses that's failing now is because folks didn't want to be faithful in nobody else's. They didn't want to watch anybody else's sheep. Does everybody understand that? And you know, 401k have made have even further, further this mindset. David didn't have 401k. Does everybody understand what, how 401k worked? You put in so much money and your company put in so much money. They're helping you to save money. That you know they don't have to do that. No, they ain't got to help you save nothing. They're already paying you for your job. Why they, why they got to help you with all this extra? Does everybody understand that? This is a self-entitled generation. If David was today, was living today, he'd have to. So are these sheep going to be mine one day? So this, is you going to pass this business on to me? Well, I'm not going to watch them then. You better build a fence. Does everybody understand that? And people are something else today. They want loyalty, but don't want to be loyal to nothing. This generation ain't going to retire from nothing. They ain't working nowhere long enough to retire from anything. When I grew up, I heard, I, I heard grown folks saying, yeah, I've been, I've been working there for 50 years, and I retired. Not today. You got one more time to say something I don't like. I've only been here two days, but that's, I'll let you know real quick. And then we have the attitude of, you, you know, since I've been here, y'all company been blessed. And you don't want me to leave. <laughs> and I'm talking to us brothers especially. It's not right for you to expect your wife to be loyal when you're not. Does everybody understand that? No, that's not right at all. That wife is going to follow you. Yeah, she's going to follow you. Does everybody understand that? And I'm telling you, a lot of the marital problems that people experience is because they're not, the man is not faithful. You don't get to gripe and complain about your boss and then, and then think something is off because your wife gripe and complain about her boss. You don't get to be halfway in and do little sneaky stuff and, and all of that and then grab and complain because she's going to follow you, brothers. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? And so if you, want, if you want your household to line up with God's word, you line up with God's word. Because I'm telling you, your wife hear the same thing preached that, that, that you hear. So don't think for one minute she don't go home and she don't see. No, you, you're willfully disobeying what was said. No, you're not following that. Now, she might not tell you that to her face, but her actions are going to show it. Does everybody understand that? Those three, bro those three older brothers of, of, of uh, David, who did they follow? They followed Saul. Does everybody understand that? They followed Saul. Now, when Saul backed up and backed down and took off running because 
the champion of the Philistines came out, what do you think they did? Does everybody understand that? <laughs> and I'm telling you, brothers, we have to line up. We have to be. We have to be what we want our wives to be. You, you know, you know that woman. No, you're supposed to be following God's word. You know that woman sitting on side of you. She understand what I'm saying. She, you ain't got to go home and preach her another message. She understand. She understand exactly what's being preached. Now, if you want a corrupt household, you just go home and live something different. You go home and compromise. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> I'm telling you, we as brothers, we got to get it together. Does everybody understand that? We have to love our wives as what? Christ loved the church. And what did he do? And gave himself for it. Does everybody understand? That's not talking about death. He's talking about all of these perks that he could have had as the son of God in his flesh. But he gave up all of that. Does everybody understand that? You, you know the best thing Jesus Christ did for the church? He led by example. He walked on water before he told Peter to come out. He didn't tell Peter, you get out there and test it. Test it, see. See, if, and then if you do it, I can do it. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Peter got out of that boat and began to walk on water and then got distracted. And you know what happens? He sunk. And what did the Lord ask him? Why did you doubt? But you know what the Lord did while he was talking to him? He picked him up and lifted him up. And, they walk, and he continued to walk on water. He didn't say, now you got to swim back. You get back on your own. He picked his wife up. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? He picked her up and they walked back to the boat together. Well, you know, you just going to do your own thing. You do your thing, I'm going to do mine. I'm going to go out and make friends so I can forget about all my problems at home. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. My best friend is sitting right there. Does everybody understand that? Sitting right there. And ain't no other man in this world takes her place. Does everybody understand that? And if she fall, I'm there to pick her up. We're going to walk back to the boat together. Does everybody understand that? You know why? Because we are joint heirs. Of salvation. Join heirs. If, if, if I go to heaven, she ought to be right behind me. That's the, does everybody understand that? That's what God, that's what he means. Join heirs of salvation. Does everybody understand that? And I understand very clearly. My wife and these wives in here, they're not meant to bypass their husband. Spiritually so, they're not meant to pass you up. And some of them love you enough to not try. So you have to ask yourself, what level is your wife on? And then think about this. You ain't too far ahead of her. Wherever you see your wife at, you ain't too far ahead of her. She following your lead. Does everybody understand that? So if I walk as far as this camera here and stop, and my wife is, and I'm telling her, you, you're supposed to submit. She ain't going to get no further than that camera. 
And I, do I have the right to fight and fuss because she didn't continue on to the back door? Does everybody understand that? See, but sometimes we brothers, we think we're more and we think we're further along than what we are. You submit, you walk on water. I ain't going to do it. <laughs> Peter walked on water because he saw his husband walking on water. Does everybody understand? Oh, you, you doing it, I could do it. Does everybody understand that? And I'm telling you, so if the wife is, is, supposed to, is supposed to submit to her husband, don't you know she's looking how you're submitting to your authority? And some of you don't even spoke against your authority, standing right here. Spoke against it. You ain't never went back and said, sweetheart, I said some things about Brother Bowden I shouldn't have said. Will you forgive me? No, I'm just going to continue to defy authority, and then I'm going to expect you to submit to it. I'm telling you, you're going to have a raggedy house. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? <laughs> we get emails all the time. You know, these sisters, not the sisters sitting here, but sisters all over the world, you know, that are married, they hear us talk, talk about, you know, wives submit to your own husbands. And, and bless their hearts, they really want to submit. But, you know, we get emails from sisters saying, but my husband is beating his chest. And he ain't living nothing. Well, sister, you still got to submit. But, you know, but I, I know that a household is going to be troubled when the man is not submitted to some authority. Does everybody understand that? Now, I'm telling you, you know, we shared this before. You, you, there ought to be a man around you somewhere that can't do any wrong, that you don't know more than. And I feel sorry for some of you because you were, you were raised bottle feeding your daddies. You were raised being a big brother to your daddy and, and don't know about don't know anything about authority. Don't know somebody's outranking you. <laughs> then you come to the things of God and, and your whole world is flipped upside down. I'm the one that's crazy. When I was a little boy, I was about four years old sitting in the back of the church, maybe about 20 or 30 feet away from Brother Junior, and he was up preaching. The Lord spoke to me when I was about four years old and said, you're going to be his pastor one day. I didn't start going around to his house with Brother, Bowden, uh, Brother Junior. Oh, turn your Bible. Let me show you something the Lord showed me here. I was four years old when I heard that. You're going to be his pastor one day. And he was up preaching with thunder and lightning coming out of his throat. You know what I thought? No way. He already a hundred. <laughs> and even when the Lord brought that to pass, some 25 years later, after that, I still didn't think of myself as his pastor.
Brother Junior was 45 when I was born. How am I going to shepherd him? Does everybody understand that? I thought so much of his words I recorded. Still got hundreds and hundreds of hours of conversation. And I say conversation, it was him talking and me listening. Because I knew when he, he made a statement that made me start recording him especially. He said the Lord showed me that he's going to raise up a young man when I've gone off the scene. That let me know he wasn't going to live to see the second coming of Jesus Christ. One day he's going to leave this world and I need to make sure I get all from him that I can. You know why? Because he's better than me. He's better than me. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> so let's read here. Verse 34 it says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him. And smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Everybody see that? Could you imagine the tenacity? He wasn't standing 50 feet away throwing rocks and slinging rocks. He said, and I, 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 I delivered the sheep. And then he had the nerve to come against me. So I caught him by his beard. Not took off running because I've already done the deal. <laughs> I caught that demon by the beard. Then don't come back here. When I kill you, you ain't coming back. Isn't that something? You know why? Because he honored his daddy. <laughs> he was better than Saul. Does everybody understand that? And here come a Philistine. And is, is, is Saul catching the Philistine by his beard? You know, the Bible gives us Saul's height for a reason. The Bible says that Saul stood a whole uh, from from his shoulders on up was higher. He was taller than any man in Israel. Who was more fit to fight that giant than Saul? He was about a foot taller than any other man in Israel. And here's David, 14, 15 years old. Not scared. Ain't got to have no height. Everybody understand that? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Look at what he says, verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defied the armies of who? Does everybody see that? You know what happens? When you are faithful and you know where you stand in God, you, you get a certain confidence. You know God is with you when you are walking with integrity. But when you're not walking in integrity, you can't hold your head up about nothing. When you're not walking in integrity, you're going to duck off and run. Whenever any little thing come up, all the devil got to do is stick his head out the door and tell you, you better go on. 
you're going to obey because you lack integrity. Does everybody understand that? And so you see what, what was David's driving force. He is defying God. These armies belong to God, and he, how dare he? Does everybody understand that? No, I'm going to tell you, just how cowardly. I'm going to just show you something about this story here. David said, moreover, the Lord has delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Philistine. And Saul said unto David, what? Go, and the Lord be with thee. See how cowardly he's going to let a little teen, teenage child. Did y'all ever think about that? All these great men with all this big armor on and Saul standing about seven and a half feet tall. And he done already told David that you just a youth. You just 12, 13 years old. And he's been fighting since he's been your age, the age that you are now. Well, you know, I'm a punk out. You go, go ahead and the Lord be with you, brother. We're going to be praying for you. We hope you know what you're talking about. You see what made David better than Saul? Does everybody understand that? Who? David had three brothers in that war, and they allowed him to go fight somebody that they were scared of. When I was growing up, my brother's fight was my fight, and my fight was my brother's fight. Now, we fought each other all the time, but you better not jump in it. And here are these cowards who are trained soldiers. I tell you, there's a difference between men training you and God training you. Because David was a different type of soldier. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> but could you imagine these cowards allowing a child, a small child, to go fight a giant? Something that's at least two and a half times his height. Could you imagine that? You think Jesse wouldn't have had a heart attack if he knew that was going on? I don't know how those three brothers showed their face in their daddy's house after that. I don't even know what made Saul even go after King David after that. He should have been ashamed and went and sat down somewhere. But you know what? David was better than Saul. Do you think if David was the older, older brother, he would he, even if he was afraid of the giant, if he saw his, old, his little brother going out there, he would no, you, you come back, we'll do it. Now y'all gone. Y'all, everybody understand that? I'm talking to especially us brothers. Your wife ought not to be outrunning you. Does everybody understand that? Go ahead and read verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armor, because I ain't going to fight with it, and put an helmet of brass upon his head and also armed him with a coat of mail. Everybody see that? Isn't that something? Now, what is now? <laughs> David might have been five feet tall at the age he was at that time. Saul stood over seven feet tall. What does David look like wearing Saul's armor? 
Look at what David's response was. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he assayed it. In other words, he attempted, uh, tested it to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy. Everybody see that? And of a fair countenance. You know, he didn't look like a soldier. He looked like a little cute boy. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Now, do you see the cowardice in him? Here's a child coming to fight him. Why did he just did pluck him and back to the army of Israel? You get on back now. You quit playing now. It, it, okay, yeah, you got you got some, you know, you got some golf going back. You know, this is a man's fight. Isn't that something? That even Goliath was willing to fight a child. <laughs> I told you the devil, that he's a mean devil. That spirit don't care how young your child is. He coming for him. Does everybody understand that? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. In other words, I'm not coming after you. This is not a flesh and blood war. Does everybody understand that? that now that, you know, you heard the term, you got to fight fire with fire. The, the devil fight with fire. You have the devil fight standing up. You have to fight on your knees. Does everybody understand that? This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. Everybody see that? You think his brothers wasn't sit back? You look arrogant somebody. I hope he get the best of you. You ain't learned. You up there talking noise? Everybody see that? You know you don't whip the devil by not talking to him? That's what we read about in the book of Ephesians. Take the sword of the spirit. That's your tongue. You don't whip the devil by being quiet. You got to talk back to him. And you know David was talking some trash, wasn't he? He's telling him, I'm giving you the layout. After I kill you, I'm going to cut off your head. <laughs> he say, if I kill you, if the Lord will let me win. <laughs> Let's look at this trash talk. <laughs> this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from, from thee, and I will give thy, the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Everybody see that? And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into what? Whose hands? You see what made David better than Saul? He was fighting for all of Israel. 
even for the cowards that were standing behind him um, um, a hundred miles away. Everybody understand that? David understood if I win, we all win. He wasn't going to kill Goliath and say, now y'all go out and y'all got, y'all got to get your own victory. Now this is my victory. This is my head. Everybody see that? Verse 848, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted. And what did he do? Ran. He ran away toward the army to meet the Philistine. Everybody see that? If you're running from the devil, he's already defeated you. you, you, when you if you see the devil, you ought to run towards him. Does everybody understand that? Took us many years to figure that out. You know, my brother and I, we were in second, third grade. We walked to school. Now, you see the difference between my generation and this, and this generation now? Second and third grade could walk a mile to school. You got high schools now. Their mamas walk, holding their hands, walking them to class. And mad because they don't get a kiss on the cheek. It wasn't none of that when I was growing up. You get on out there. There ain't no bus to come around. Y'all got, y'all got to walk. And we walked, and we always had to pass. Every street had a dog on it. And one of the worst things we could do was when a dog started barking, take off running. Because what they going to do? They going to have mercy? But after a while, we caught on. We started picking stuff up and walking by. And when we saw the dog coming, we started throwing stuff at him. And he backed up. He stopped chasing us after that. Because he understood, oh, they're not scared. Okay, I'll wait for the next little bunch to come by. Everybody understand that? I want you to think about how bold the devil is. He goes before God to accuse you to God. Does everybody understand that? You know what that tells me? He's not scared of God. And now he don't want to fight with God. But he's not scared of him. He'll go right into the presence of the Lord and talk about you. So how afraid do you think he is of you? Everybody understand that? Go and keep reading. Verse 49, and David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And, the, and that the stone sunk into his forehead. Isn't that something? Now, <laughs> let's picture that in our minds. Do you know that's the reason why David took off running after the Philistine? Was to give that stone momentum? If you slinging stones after the devil while you're running from him, You ain't going to hit the devil. Does everybody understand that? You know that's that's, your faith is what makes you run towards them. You have to tell the devil, devil, you will find as long as you way over there. Don't even look my way. Does everybody understand that? Sometimes I play that game with my wife and she she get her something to snack on. 
And she'll be sitting there eating, and I just look at her, and as soon as she look at me, I just look away like. She'll have to say, you want some? Yeah, I, I'll go ahead and take some since you, <laughs> since you keep asking. <laughs> that ought to be how you are with the devil. The devil looking at you, you look at him like. Does everybody understand that? He ought not to want none of you. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword. Everybody see that? That shows you how big of a man this Philistine was. David stood on top. I had to stand on top of him and do what now? And drew, drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, what did they do? They fled. Everybody see that? Now let's go real briefly to the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. And we're going to start reading at verse 10. And we're talking about loyalty. That is what made David better than Saul. He was, everybody understand that? David was loyal. Does everybody understand that? You know what makes, what makes the difference between an employee and an employee of the year? The employee is just there to get a check. And bet not nobody get on my nerves. That employee of the year, he understands the, the vision of the company and he honors his boss. I'm doing this for the boss. I, I hope that we excel. I'm going to show up on time for work because I want the whole, co and with a good attitude, because I want the whole company to excel in advance. I, it don't matter how stupid you think your boss is. He knows who gets employee of the year. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> he can see that. Does everybody understand? All right, let's read now. Verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is, also, is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is, in, in is unjust also where? Does everybody see that? David was faithful in watching those little sheep, his daddy's sheep. That was least. God saw it and said, if you are willing... To go against a lion and a bear for some for some little animals, I know you, I know what kind of warrior you will be for a whole nation. So you're better than Saul. You know why? Because while David was out there fighting for lamb for for the lamb, Saul was running away. While David was fighting a lion and a bear, Saul was running away from a giant. 
Does everybody understand that? And people can have this mindset all day. You know, if the Lord, when the Lord bless me with this, then I'm going to do, you ain't going to do nothing. You're not going to do a thing but what you've been doing. Pinching pennies. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? I wouldn't have to steal if, if the Lord would bless me. And it's got millionaires in Hollywood get, go to jail behind being in the store stealing clothes. Does everybody understand that? He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also is just in just also in much. Verse 11. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. What you have in your pocket. What you have in your bank account. That's unrighteous mammon. In other words there's no righteousness to it. That's, that don't get you to heaven. If you're not faithful in the way you handle finances. Well, let's read, keep reading. Who will commit to you, uh, to your trust, the true riches? Does everybody understand that? It never fails. You know, somebody up top in this world must have got a hold of this scripture. Because now they check credit when you apply for a job. Your car insurance rates are based on your credit. Doesn't matter how, you, you may vow and sell your soul and say, I'm, I promise you, if I miss a payment, you can have my soul and do whatever you want. They don't, it don't matter to them. What does your credit report say? You ain't got no soul. Somebody else got your soul because you done made this promise to AT&T and the rest of them. And they, ain't, they still ain't got paid. <laughs> so if I understand that. You can, you, no, we don't take IOUs here. Does everybody understand that? Believers ought to be out running the world when it comes to credit. And I'm not saying that that's, that's our life and that's our world, but I'm telling you, you ought to have a standard. Don't tell nobody you're a Christian with a credit store of score of 400. Unless you say, I just got saved yesterday. I'm working on it. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Because they know if you are a Christian, you ought to have some integrity. Verse 11, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? In other words, what he's saying is, I won't. I can't give you true riches. If you're not faithful in unrighteous mammon, does everybody understand that? You know why? Because God understands you're going to be the same across the board. You, you don't change because you get some more change in your pocket. If you don't know what to do with two quarters, you don't know what to do with two million either. It's got story after story. I'm sure it's got websites out there you can go look at where people have won the lottery. Fifty million dollars, one pop. Where is it now? Now, 
they mess around and buy a house that they can't afford to pay taxes on? Does everybody understand that? You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, a fool and his money will do what? Soon part. A fool and his money will soon part. (laughs) Doesn't matter how saved you think you are. If you're a fool, you ain't going to have money. Does everybody understand that? You're going to always be barely making and barely trying to get ahead and trying to get ahead. And the whole time, your problem is your relationship with God. You're not loyal. And because you're not loyal in anything, you can't even be loyal to yourself. Does everybody understand that? And I tell you, these same people that the Lord is talking about today, they have a problem with somebody else having something. You can't stand to be around somebody that's got one more quarter than them. You think you just hot? No, I'm done think nothing. I, I tell you what I do think, I'm going to leave this world one day and all that stuff going to be left behind, so I'm not worshiping it. Does everybody understand that? Verse 12, and if ye have not been faithful in that which is who? In, in that which is what? If you can't stand to watch somebody else's stuff, take care of somebody else's stuff, and be faithful in somebody else's stuff, what happens? Who shall give you? Who shall give you that which is what? Who shall give? Everybody see that? Now you, you pay attention to that. Who gave David the kingdom? The Lord did. He didn't have to work for it. He didn't have to work up the ranks. He didn't have to join an army and go from private to general. God gave him the kingdom. I will take the kingdom from you and give it. That's the way the kingdom of heaven works. Does everybody understand that? And what happens when if you fall in this category where God can't trust you, you'll be sitting back watching God just give stuff to people. Give, give, give. And then you got folks that's trying to defy God and they working and they busting their backsides, trying to, trying to just come up and, ain't, and can't. Because God said all you got to do is be loyal. If you get loyal just for a little bit, I'll give it to you. But you are, you could spend your life working for the next 50 years and never get it. Does everybody understand that? Let me make this clear. You can't bless yourself. <laughs> That's not, not the way it works. Does everybody understand that? And if ye have, verse 12, and if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, in other words, if you don't know how to work for somebody else, and be faithful. Let me, and let me make this clear for those of us that may not understand this. When you go work for somebody else, your paying bills ought to be second to that man's company advancing. Does everybody understand that? You ought to just, when you are a believer, you ought to know that you're just blessed. You're not working for a paycheck. Does everybody understand that? 
You ought to know I'm, I'm blessed anyway. So I, God, God's going to pay my bills anyway regardless of me working here. I'm here to, to help the kingdom of God spread around. Does everybody understand that? Look at what happened to Joseph. Folks wanted him around. People wanted him to work. They wanted him in their house because it, the, they understood the blessing came with him. Same thing with Jacob and his father-in-law. He, I don't, I'm going I'm to I'm cheat you in life because I want you to stay here because I understand you being here is a blessing to me. Is that what your boss said about you? <laughs> is that what they said about you? Not when you showing up, you ought to just be glad I showed up. <laughs> Telling you our attitude. We 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 better check those attitudes, cause it ain't gonna be one funky one up there in heaven. I can tell you that. You think God gonna let you up there with that? You ought to be glad. Just glad I'm here, Lord. <laughs> Everybody understand that? Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Everybody see that? So what lesson did we learn from this, from the, this lesson of, of loyalty? It's impossible for you to be loyal to anybody you don't respect. That is one of the main things that's missing in this Western culture is honor. We know nothing about it. Everybody understand that? Everybody's out for themselves. Everybody wants to start their own company. Everybody wants to, and for the wrong reasons. So you cannot be faithful or committed to somebody that you don't honor. That's the kind, those are the kind of relationships believers ought to have among one another. That's, those are the things that God looked for. You show me a person that don't honor and respect people, especially their elders. When I was growing up, it didn't matter what you were doing. It, it didn't matter. Well, first of all, we didn't know your business. <laughs> so there was no room to dishonor to begin with. And even if we did, it was still yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. But that is the, one of the main things that the devil has done in this society. He's taken away the honor from this Western culture where people no longer, they don't, there's no honor code. You know, how many of you ever heard of the term mafia? Do you know that they've almost ceased to exist today? Oh, they still got little crime, you know, syndicates and stuff going on. But there's no real mafia. You know why? Because the mafia in the, ten, in the teens and the 20s and the 30s, back in those years, they had an honor code. We protect the boss. 
we'll go to jail for 20 years and keep our mouth shut. And the boss on the other, on the other end, he'll take care of our families because we t- kept our mouth shut. Not today. Today there is no, no boss. We all out here making money, fool. You, you put your pants on the same way I do. Who are you? Back then, the boss, those bosses, they were bosses for 40, 50 years. Hey, it ain't no, do you let a boss, somebody stick their head up and say, I'm, I'm the new boss. Yeah, we'll get you dead by next week. No honor. Does everybody understand that? And somebody can be, they can have started a company and own it for 50 years. And you come there and you done trained for a week and you already know more than him. <laughs> no honor. Does everybody understand that? And God want us to have honor. I'm telling you, I, I was just talking to a friend of mine. I'll tell you about, I told you all, all about a friend I had when I was uh, really made when I was in prison. And when I was there, and I just, I just share this with you, you know, I was in the New Orleans Parish prison for, for about three weeks. And uh, that Christmas, before I went, so Christmas was 25th, and I went into the prison system, I think, on the 27th. That Christmas, one of my cousins bought me a, a gray warm-up, gray warm-ups, the, the top and the bottom, the pants and the, and the sweatshirt. They were gray. I thought that was odd, but okay, thank you. Only to find out when I go to prison, two or three days later, that that's the only thing you can ha- that's the only thing you can wear besides that orange jumpsuit. So you see how the law was prepping it now. But I got in there, didn't have no no underclothes outside of what I already had on. And my friend, who I'm still friends friends with today, he eventually got sentenced and was put on death row, and then he appealed it, and then they just gave him life. So he's still serving. That now that's been almost 27 years ago, and he's still there in prison there in Louisiana. And he and I, 27 years ago, we still write each other, still still friends. And one of the reasons why, see, he understood loyalty, and I do too. We just from that generation. One day I'm up preaching in that prison, and he come to me and he started asking me questions. And he and I, we became close that way. And he asked me, do you, do you have a need? I said, and I, I said, well, I don't have any underclothes. And I wasn't saying that for him to buy me any, but he bought me some. He said, what kind of candy do you like? And I told him, and he made sure I was taken care of. And I told him before I left there, he, told, he always talked about his daughters. He had two, two little daughters. And he said, man, they, they the best little things to me. He said, they, when they mamas bring them up here to see me, I, that just makes my day. And so I made a promise to him. I said, your daughters will never want from, for anything, because I knew he was gone for, for life. Probably gone to death, you know, is what I was thinking. They're they going they to hang you. But I told him, as long as I'm alive, your daughters will want for nothing. They'll, they'll never, those pair, those drawers that you bought me, that's their, that's their lifeline forever. That's loyalty. Not, well, I'm preaching to you, you ought to, you ought to give me, that. that's the least you could do is buy me some drawers up in this place. 
Does everybody understand that? And so when I got out, I began to call their mother. Do, do they need anything? Do you need anything? No, I'm fine. And then she, she got married, and I had to slack. Okay, I can't, you know, I don't want to press into that. But even now, I ask them, oh, your, your daughters, when's the last time you're talking? Yeah, they just came by to visit a couple of weeks ago. Are they okay? Yeah, they fine. Okay, I'm, I'm, that promise still stands. As long as I'm alive, they'll never starve. They'll never want for anything. Does everybody understand that? That was 27 years ago. And it still stands today. That's what we do when we have the honor code. He bought me a, a pack of underwear, and they may have cost maybe $10. Over the years, every month I send him money. Every month. Does everybody understand that? Loyalty. That, but that's, that's where I come from. Does everybody understand that? That's, why, that's where I come from. But today, we all, everybody's self-entitled. I'm not going to do no more for you than you do for me. Okay, you bought me a pack of drawers, so when I get out of jail, I'm going to buy you a pack and we even. <laughs> Does everybody see that? I'm telling you, we, we ought to be better than the Pharisees. We ought to be better than that. My prayer is that we really heard what the Lord was saying today. Does everybody understand that? If, if, if we're not loyal to nothing, we'll be starting over all the time. People, people 50 years old is still starting over. 60 years old still starting over. Can't say they've been anywhere for too long because they, every time something don't go their way, they're moving on to something else. They're starting over. Somewhere you got to get somewhere and park and be loyal. Does everybody understand that? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word that we've heard. God, we pray that you will bless us according to the word we've heard, Lord, in our obedience. We ask, Lord, that you will help us not to stray away from what we've heard today. Help us to examine ourselves, Lord, to see where we are on that spectrum that we've talked about. Help us, Lord, to become faithful servants and loyal, Lord, so that we can grow and be somewhere in you. Help us, Lord, not to be caught up in self and in flesh, but help us to crucify our flesh, Lord, so we can be a blessing to others. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. The Lord will we'll be dismissed now and go to the back and just for a little bit and discuss what we've heard. So if that's all, you're dismissed now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.